0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Thank you
1: so much. It's uh, great to be online with, uh, with you and your listeners this morning, Neil. Amit, a
2: pleasure talking to you. Because uh, when I I heard your uh, your title, uh, leadership developer, I thought, you know, we've got to talk to 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 Ahmet, and I know you come with great okay. reputation. Uh, you're doing a good job, and there uh, uh, there are a whole bunch of young people who are under your care, and you are in fact involved in helping to. Uh, determinedly to intentionally raise up young leaders because sometimes we think this is just going to happen by accident. Is that the sort of thing you often hear? Leaders just get raised up or they're born that way. Uh, What's your thoughts on on young people in leadership today and, and how they actually get from just being an ordinary young person to someone who's actually a functional leader in church life?
1: That's a, that's a big question. I think we're going to have a few of these big questions this morning, aren't we?
2: <laughs> don't worry. I don't think we're going to be out of uh, any depth at all, but uh, you never know what listeners might contribute.
1: Oh, it's uh, fantastic. It's interesting the, uh, the point that you make in regards to uh, people thinking are leaders born or are leaders made. Um, there's, I think there's a lots, lots of different schools of thought behind both of those different viewpoints, um, but for me, in my experience, in my journey, what I have been able to identify is um, there are certain character traits that obviously people are, are born with that maybe lend themselves to, to being leaders, as in those that people want to follow. But the actual skill and the art of leadership, um, I think it's those things that can be learned and developed um, as time goes on.
2: And oftentimes it's like the mentor who is overseeing that young person who is being developed, uh, who's being shaped, who can identify some of those character traits, as you say. Uh, oftentimes it comes to that mentor as to how they actually shape and then eventually release those uh, wonderful traits, those wonderful capacities, those gifts uh, into the body of Christ.
1: Yeah and look mentoring that you picked up on there as well it is such a crucial component to to the development of our young people and not so young people. Um, I love the uh, the intergenerational work that we see happening in our faith communities around the country and how in a similar setting you can have uh, great grandparents and grandparents working alongside and uh, not just youth but young um, people and younger people as well and to see them all working together, everyone's got something to contribute. And for me, in my own personal journey, the reason I guess I'm doing what I'm doing today, the reason I have uh, the passions and the desires that are on my heart of the things that I want to be a part of is because of those people that have helped shape and form me over the years. And so, um, as I mentioned to you previously, um, we are only able to do what we do because we're standing on the shoulders of giants. That's why we can see so far ahead so With my role with Youth Vision, there's been amazing people that have come before me, um, and we are able to do what we do today so effectively because of the groundwork that was done by these other people in years gone past. And to be able to link with them still and get counsel from them and guidance from them, it's a privilege. It really is.
2: You know what I was excited about when I saw that you're the leadership developer is that I'm excited and impressed about Churches of Christ in WA uh, that they might have someone who is the designated leadership developer because oftentimes leadership seems to be left to each individual local church. But, but you've, got, uh, you've got this sort of oversight and this opportunity to speak into the lives of young people uh, who are across all of those different churches uh, throughout WA. How does that all work?
1: Well, I think it comes down to this understanding that we're better together. So as a movement church of the Christ here in Western Australia, we understand that there's lots of different communities in, in different contexts and settings around the state. Um, but when we have some sort of central hub where we can uh, learn and grow and bounce ideas off each other and, and see how we can then apply it into our different contexts, it just it's just if we can really help each other, that's what we're really about. So Youth Vision exists to serve uh, the local church, become effective at what they do. So So often um, pastors and and leaders that are existing in these communities, there's so much before them that they need to be focusing on. And so what we want to be able to do is come alongside them, help equip these identified uh, developing leaders, and then see them released to become all that they can. So it's all about working together, Neil, and... And uh, yeah, like I said before, we're better together. We're better
2: together. Ahmed, um, there is some perception, isn't there, that when you're talking about leaders in church, that somehow or other you have a promising young person, and it might be a young man or it might be a young woman. So you send them off to Bible college, and uh, they get uh, trapped in Bible college, uh, caged there for three or four years or two years or two. Well, it could be you know all different lengths of Bible college. But when they come out, they're instantly a leader. Uh, that's not necessarily the case, is it? Because a lot of leadership, learning, and development happens on the job.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I have to. Be, I want to be careful with that, with what I say here because I mean I've been through Bible colleges myself, and again, I, I, the reason I view things the way that I do, the way that I operate, the way that I do is, is largely because of the input that I've had from these institutions. So they play a vital role. But on the same note. Um, Yeah, there is this general understanding from from what I've experienced that uh, young people want to live their lives for Christ and they're passionate about living out their faith. And so they translate that as, well, I need to go to Bible college to become a pastor. And that concerns me. Uh, That concerns me. There are so many different spheres uh, within our culture and communities. And if we're just going to pick on uh, our faith community, that's what we're going to channel all these people into as future leaders. I don't think we're going to achieve all that uh, that we're called to. So you've got arts and entertainment, you've got media, you've got government, you've got politics, you've got business, you've got all these different spheres that are around. And what I'm passionate about seeing is a young people identify the way that God has created them, which is very unique. You know, Bible colleges are not meant to be a cookie cutting factory, but all, all going to be the same. Yet we all sort of come out talking the same and wearing the same clothes and carrying the same leather shoulder bags and, you know, got to have the right tight jeans and everything else that goes with it. But that's not what it's about. It's about identifying how you have been uniquely gifted and created. What is the assignment that God has destined for you? And then how can you develop yourself and put yourself in these different positions to actually be that beacon of light into what seems to be so dark and prevalent in the community around us?
2: You know, I think people will be so heartened to hear that Bible college or Christian leadership development is not just about a cookie cutter approach to raise up a new pastor. But as you say, there is leadership required in a broader societal context. And you mentioned uh, arts and entertainment and media and government. I mean, there's so many elements so many dimensions to our community that we need effective Christian leaders it's not just those leaders in the church some will be called specifically to that church leadership but others will be called specifically to other areas in community life
1: definitely and and what we want to be about is actually affirming those people as they continue to explore what that is and what that looks like Um, one of the other programs that I'm involved with is you know focuses specifically on that and and helping our young people change their language around ministry even. You know, it's just, oh, I'm in ministry, so straight away you think local church, pastor, preaching. But actually, I would argue that I've got friends of mine that are school teachers. I would argue the case that they're in ministry 24-7. They don't tell me that when they're standing in front of the classroom looking for, uh, for ways to engage with young people and to speak words of life and affirmation into them and to encourage their families and to build local communities even in that setting you don't tell me that's not ministry um, and so we want to be affirming our faith community saying it's not just about the person who gets up and speaks but what are you doing in your boiler making factory what are you doing as a cabinet maker what are you doing as an electrician what are you doing as a full-time house mum or house dad don't tell me that's not ministry because ministry really is a focus and a mindset and just being aware of how God can use you through you to affect change um, in the life of other people. So, uh, mate, ministry is all around. It really is the way that you view the things around you and how prepared you are to engage at that sort of level.
2: Amit, when we talk about church life, there's also uh, an interesting perception that some people have uh, that the only leader in the church is the senior pastor or uh, in some denominations it might be the priest. Uh, And that's the leader and everybody else is the follower. But, of course, uh, in church life, as you identify, there are leaders in all of these different community contexts. But even within church life, there needs to be a leadership raised up on a whole lot of different dimensional levels, all sorts of departments in church. Church won't grow unless there are people who are leading different departments and, and helping in this discipleship process.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think to go along with that, in the same conversation, we need to be aware of this fact that, you know, leaders by nature, and they're given the title because they're they're leading others, uh, they're they're guiding the way forward, they're mapping out some territory, they're the ones casting the vision and 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 you know showing the example of well, this is where we want to go, and so these are the steps we're going to take. So come with me on this journey now. One of the other questions that we need to be addressing in regards to our faith communities is, if we're going to be having all these different leaders, then who's actually following? Um, It's great wanting to go for the title or the office of the leader or to be the person of influence, and that's another thing we can touch on as well. Which one's more important, leadership or influence? Mm. Um, But if if there's no one actually following, then you're not a leader, uh, you're a loner. Um, And so we need to be aware of where our people are at uh, what are the things that are concerning them and, and uh, points of anxiety and frustration in their own in their own lives and, and in their workplaces and what they're doing and to be an effective leader. Yeah, we've got these different ministry roles and these different departments within our churches and things like that, but, man, if the, if the people aren't going to be coming in to be a part of the faith community, then you're not, to, you're not going to be leading anyone. So the focus really has to be about, you know, being a shepherd of the people. I mean, what's the... Uh, the original understanding of the word pastor was that that person was a curer of souls. It was, it's, it's all about relationship. It's what it's really about.
2: And you raise just one of the most significant words uh, that describes the leader, and that is that word shepherd. Because, in one sense, in what you're doing in your role as a leadership developer, is that you become a shepherd to those young leaders who are under your care and in all of those different church contexts. And you're yeah. wanting those young leaders to be developed so that they too can be shepherds. And there's an interesting way that we can talk about shepherds. What is your, you know, when you think of shepherd, I mean, I'm thinking of the good shepherd, uh, Jesus. Uh, but what do you think of when you're thinking of the role that a shepherd does because you're raising up shepherds?
1: Yeah, um, definitely my mind goes straight to Jesus and all the examples he used using that sort of terminology given his cultural context, but um, I'm not a farm boy by any stretch of the imagination. You know, my biggest experience on a farm was a cow tipping with a mate of mine and having to run away when you uh, tipped the wrong one over. <laughs> so, it's um, I'm, you know, I haven't spent a huge amount of time as a country kid. I definitely love the country. But in regards to being a shepherd of people, it's just this... The, the mental picture that comes to mind, again, is that carer. Um, the shepherd uh, knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. Um, and so, you know, h- how are you uh, developing what it is that you're doing so that those that you are leading... Um, know your voice. They they recognise the flavour, they recognise uh, the passion, they recognise the energy, they recognise the focus, uh, they recognise the calling. Um, there's a sense of they really understand what it is that you're about. Um, here in an Australian context, I had a great conversation with a good friend of mine yesterday and, and he's doing some amazing work uh, in an outside traditional church setting um, as a chaplain and and he was saying, yeah, you know, one of the things that he loves about Aussies is they've got a, a really good uh, a BS radar. Um, you know, if you're not genuine, if you're not authentic, if you're saying one thing, but really you're about something else, um, Aussies have got a great way of picking that up. And um, integrity is a big thing for leadership and you can lose that so quickly. So in regards to being that shepherd, it's, it's about being genuine and authentic and authentic um, you know, resting with the sheep and them understanding exactly what it is that you're about, but also to be so committed to knowing your sheep that when even one goes astray, you know exactly what is required in order to bring them back into the fold. So again, it comes down to shepherds in relationship. It's, it's key.
0: .org.au. Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on vision. You're invited to be part of our
2: conversation today. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about leaders, young leaders. It could be leaders in your age group and in your church. Our special guest this hour is Amit Kaira. He is a leadership developer with Youth Vision in Western Australia, and he's raising up young leaders. And I imagine that when we talk about young leaders... Um, it. sometimes you're thinking raw material being refined and ready to uh, to uh, to set free and to to go and do some good things later on but what are you when you're talking with young people uh you're you are working with raw material raw, raw material that could be shaped in a good way or a bad way and you're trying to shape it in a good way how do you think of that raw material in young people
1: yeah i think it's um there's there's so much so much potential um in some of the different things that I've been able to be a part of, you know, when we've set the bar high or, or presented a challenge, um, you, you just see these young people just rise, rise to the occasion over and over again. And so, um, you know, sometimes I just don't think we challenge our young people enough. Um, I think sometimes we settle, uh, say within our church context for, you know, making sure we've got the big numbers in our youth ministries or we've got, you know, the right sections in our services filled out and, the music's the right sort of sound, and the uh, and the things are presented in a contemporary enough way to draw the crowds in. But more and more, um, as I'm developing uh, just the work here within Youth Vision in WA and wider, it's all about uh, presenting these challenges and uh, and sharing uh, the journey with these young people and seeing them rise to the occasion and actually get to a point where they where they own what it is that they're about. They don't want to. They don't want to inherit the faith of their parents. They don't want to, you know, go through the status quo and do the regular church thing on Sundays and just settle for that. But they they want some fire. They want some they want some hardship. They want some challenges. They want some uh, they want they want to be shaped and formed. And and as you present these opportunities, seeing them rise to the occasion, it's just an absolute privilege. And when they realise what they can actually achieve, um, yeah, it's just an honour to be part of that journey with them.
2: Uh, what are your thoughts on young people today compared to what they might have been 20 years ago Uh, you must read some of the history of uh, your own organisation there Youth Vision, it's been going for about 25 years Uh, you were saying you're standing on the shoulders of those who've gone before and there's been a program of intentional development for young people all these years but uh, young people are they different today than what they were even 20, 25 years ago?
1: Uh, yeah, I think the short answer to this uh, would be yes. That, that's that's my take. And so, man, there's so much material and commentary in regards to these uh, these millennials that are out there now. Um, and I think there's a lot of negative press um, around that and about them. And I think there's a fair bit of truth to some of the comments that are being made. But I think uh, we, in you know, that, that sort of generation that has been leading and developing them, I think we need to take some responsibility as well. Um, this might be a sore point for some people, but, you know, I, I spent about 14 years in the uh, in the school system and 10 of those years as a school chaplain. And, you know, when you see um, at, a, at a sports carnival um, a student getting uh, last by a fair margin and still being given a, a ribbon and celebrated and things like that, look, I think there's encouragement that's necessary, but also there's some conversations that need to be had that it's maybe that's just not your gifting and that's fine. So let's figure out what it is that you are good at and, uh, and highlight that and let's see some of these weaknesses and see what we can do to develop that. But I think there's this general understanding that uh, these, these millennials are coming through and they feel they can change the world and they want to go about um, you know, being part of global movements. And, mate, I've come across uh, students that are, haven't even graduated from university yet that are talking about becoming consultants to corporate businesses and that's great to have that desire and that sort of passion and that drive and energy but in a real world sense it's like well what experience do you have that someone that runs a large corporate organization would actually come to you and consult you like what what runs do you have on the board what experiences have you had what hardships have you had to go through what challenges have you had to face that you have failed and what challenges have you had to face that you have overcome Um, So, yeah, there is a lot of raw material. There is a lot of potential. Are the kids different today than they were 20 years ago? Uh, Definitely. Um, Our culture is very different to what it was 20 years ago. Um,
2: You're describing millennials, and what I can hear you saying is that Uh, this idea of cotton-wooling children uh, and, uh, you know, making sure that they never feel as though they're uh, left out, rejected. Uh, You never did come last. You were wonderful for participating, these sorts of things. Cotton-wooling young people. Uh, There is still this aspiration that's within them, but what you're saying is that young people need to be exposed uh, to something of a school of hard knocks because it's in the school of hard knocks uh, that character is developed, and that uh, that if you're going to be uh, one day that consultant to industry, that you've got to actually have gone through some uh, some successes and some failures, and learn to get up on your feet when you've fallen down. That's the sort of thing you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It just reminds me of this um this old parable story that I once heard about this stonemason, and he had this giant chunk of marble in his workshop, and there was a young boy in his community that came and was just looking at this guy chipping away at this large chunk of marble and thinking, what the heck is going on here? Anyway, several weeks later, the young boy comes back and he looks at this masterpiece that this, this stonemason has actually developed, which is just this beautiful carving of a lion. And the young boy says, how did you know the lion was in there? <laughs> um, yep. You know, just this sense of this cotton wooling stuff, we're not actually doing our kids any favours. We really aren't. Uh, when you talk about the school of hard knocks and you know life being the uh, the greatest school system that we can be a part of and learning the lessons as we walk through this journey together, um, these are you know these aspects of being chiselled and being refined and being shaped and sometimes this process is not comfortable. And look, I'm just reflecting on my own journey over the last even more recent couple of years, and like there are some things that have gone on that has not been comfortable at all. And yet I sit here now looking out at the amazing Swan River on the phone with you, Neil, and just just reflecting on those lessons that I've learned. And I'm so grateful at this end of the equation that I've actually gone through that stuff. Um, it's helped develop me further. And so I think sometimes by wanting to protect our young people, we're actually doing them a really big disservice. I'm not saying to just throw them out into the fire, but they need to feel the heat. They need to feel the
2: heat. Now, you like to work with a bit of a process. Uh, The idea of training and then uh, exposing that young person to some experience, Uh, then when you've exposed them to that experience, whether they succeed or fail, uh, then there's a coaching level which sorts out some of those issues and then introducing them into leading real projects yeah. And how do you think that process – I mean, we can probably all see our own selves in that. But that process, it's a pretty important and fairly clear and fairly easy way to, to think about how leaders are developed.
1: Yeah, so that's, the, that's four um, – they're the four core elements within the internship program that we run here in, in Youth Vision WA. So you talked about training, um, experimenting, the coaching, mentoring, and then the projects – and so the idea really is in regards to the training side of things, just trying to develop this understanding in our future leaders that uh, you're always going to be learning. Uh, it never stops. You're never actually going to arrive. You need to continually develop and upskill and challenge yourself and refine and then reflect and then get back into it then and just and just keep feeding yourself these things. That could be through content that you study. That could be through conversations with different people. It could be through different experiences that you place yourself in. Um, But the training component, that stimulation is is crucial uh, to make sure that our finger is on the pulse moving forward. And in regards to the experimenting, so one of the things that we do within Youth Vision in our one-year internship program, which we call Next Level, um, it's all about creating different spaces for our students, our interns, to actually start to put into practice some of these things that they're actually learning um, and it's through those experiments where it's really a case of guys it is an experiment so let's what's our hypothesis what are we actually going to be testing uh, what are we hoping the outcome will be and what could it be and so as we go through that experiment it could be a giant flop or it could be a giant success but there's lessons learned either way which is what we're wanting to develop so the experimental phase is really crucial we're actually giving our Uh, in terms of a little bit of rope and saying, so what's what's this going to look like for you? So what's God stirring? What what are you feeling? What are you sensing? What are you reading? What's what's really stirring within you? And and the coaching and the mentoring, we've talked about mentoring already this morning, but in regards to the coaching side of things, and I think they are two different things, but my role as their coach uh, would be to identify where they're at at the start of the year, have those conversations with them about where they want to end up, where they feel they need to end up, and actually them through the process. That's what a coach does. Um, you want to get fit. You get a personal trainer. They do an assessment beforehand, and they'll continue to map things out as you go through the process to make sure that you're on target. So the coaching stuff is really crucial in regards to the project. Well, there's no point learning all these lessons and putting nothing into practice. There's no point having all the knowledge in the world and just sitting in your room beside the fire and continuing to read those books. No, you need to get out amongst it and And actually have a crack and and see what actually happens. Um, And so it's about equipping our interns to a point where when they're about to launch into those different projects, they really feel confident into taking that step into the unknown.
2: Well, Amit, uh, let's bring every listener into this sort of process that you're talking about. And we might not be able to get too much said uh, before the news, which is just over a minute or so away. But but everyone listening to our conversation now, thinking of our context in our own local church uh, and thinking, well, you're," Amit's talking about training and then experimenting and then getting coaching and then being launched out into a project. Some people are saying, well, uh, here am I. I'm, I've hit my 40s. I haven't done any training yet. Uh, or uh, I've done some training, but, uh, but I haven't had really much experience there is really no uh, no age barrier here to getting onto a training track, is there? I mean, getting onto a process where you can be equipped well and truly to be a great Christian leader.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, it's it's, an, it's a never-ending process. Uh, just quickly, a uh, story that comes to mind was a few years ago, sitting in Zimbabwe, going to a primary school graduating uh, graduation, and, and there was an older gentleman that I was sitting next to, and here I was thinking that he was the grandparent of one of the kids that was about to graduate from uh, from primary school there, and yet his name was called out and he walked out to receive his certificate. Um, and I was just I was gobsmacked by it. And so I was talking to him afterwards and, and he said, you know... Amit, um,
2: we'll I'm, continue this part of the conversation after the news. We're about to go to news, but continuing on. Amit, um, as we just reflect on a story you were telling just before the news, uh, apologies that I had to cut you off there, but you were telling a story about a man that you saw in a in a graduation ceremony. Tell us about that story again.
1: Yeah, so it was just um, several years ago when I was in Zimbabwe in Africa and um, at a primary school graduation and sitting next to an older gentleman and thinking he was a grandfather of one of the primary school graduates that was there for the ceremony. And, and then uh, a name was mentioned and he stood up and went down the fun and collected his graduation certificate. And I was... Intrigued because I'd obviously made some uh, fairly incorrect assumptions sitting next to this older gentleman, and afterwards I was uh, just wanting to start a conversation with him to find out a little bit more about his story, and and uh, he just mentioned that you know he'd never had the opportunity to go, to go to school when he was younger, and and when he was finally given this opportunity uh, he took it uh, with two hands because all he ever wanted to do was to be uh, to be able to read the Bible for himself, and so he went to primary school to. To learn to read, so that he could engage in scripture, and just that that humility um, that he displayed, and that genuine desire that he just had to to grow and to develop, even as a as an older grandfather, uh, went back to primary school and took part in the primary school graduation. It was just just one of those things that you'll never forget. And uh, and when you're talking about you know people that may be in their 40s or even later than that, uh, reflecting back, thinking, oh, I have had this training, but what have I done? And and being challenged by some of our conversation this morning. And my encouragement would just be it's it's never too late, never too late at all.
2: Never too late. And, uh, you know, for a lot of us, we'll sit in our pews in church quite comfortably and, uh, And I'm just thinking of the idea of, you know, young people being appointed into youth leadership roles and uh, support roles. And, you know, there's a team that's a part of every sort of department in church life. And uh, we'll sit there in church and we'll uh, give a courteous applause. Oh, isn't it great that uh, all of those young people are are participating in some leadership development? But, but of course, uh, we don't want to be left out. Uh, You don't want to be... Left out because you're into your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, or your 70s, uh, because there are opportunities in church life for leaders to be raised up at all levels. I mean, a lot of churches have a, you know, an over 55 sort of a group or over 50s. Let's uh, let's take it down to over 50s. Uh, they call them all sorts of wonderful things, like forerunners, or uh, in the church that I attend, they called the cornerstones. Uh, older peoples. Uh, ministries uh, those who are retirees those who are pensioners Uh, but there's there is no limit Uh, every area of church life needs leaders to be raised up so that uh, people can be cared for and that the gospel message can be meaningfully conveyed so that new disciples are being raised up Uh, you you've got some you've got some great insights Amit
1: well you yeah I can't I kind of agree more with what you've just said. Um, I think one of the beauties within our faith communities is the diversity in in ages and and uh, and experiences. And I think we it's, it's a lot of an untapped resource. Um, some of the most effective work that I've seen, especially in my time as chaplain at a school, is when you got you've got, um, you've got like grandparents coming through and you know like adopting a kid and and spending time reading with them and and listening to them and and sharing with them and doing life together and just to see those relationships flourish it's just it's amazing we've all got something to contribute i don't think we should ever get to a stage where we feel that oh, it's just my turn to to sit down and relax now um i don't i don't think that that such a stage really exists um i think in in every step of the way you've always got something to to contribute um one of the one of the guys that i have a huge amount of respect for he passed away several years ago and um, even in his last months, as he was battling a horrible uh, uh, cancer, it was just, it, it was horrible. You know, just, just to see the way that he engaged in that struggle um, and what he taught me in regards to, to leadership and um, leading by example and staying committed to the cause and, and remaining focused no matter what hardships are that you come up against. Um, even in his last days, he was able to teach something so significant. Uh, so it never stops. It never stops. Uh, you know,
2: sometimes when we talk about leadership, uh, we do have some focus on traits of leadership. And, uh, you know, as we talk about traits, uh, these are, this is not always an exact science. But what are the special sort of qualities that you think are necessary for people who are in church life uh, who would like to exercise uh, levels of leadership they might not have yet even uh, thought they had opportunity to but what sort of things do you think that are a part of a person's character that make them really really uh, red hot and ready to pursue some leadership roles
1: yeah great question Neil um, in some of the in some of the work that I've done and uh, some of the things that I've been able to develop there's I guess there's 12 traits um, that I uh, look to develop uh, within the people that I get the opportunity to work alongside. Um, And each of these 12 traits have been demonstrated to us um, by a significant character through scriptures. So um, I'll just list them out for you, but you've got someone like Noah. um, Leaders do what's right even if and when they are alone. And there's so much you can learn from his story in regards to to doing what is right, even in the moments so that we feel that you're aligned. You've got um, Abraham and uh, leaders welcome the unknown. And that's all about the, the importance of vision casting. You know, in the book of Proverbs, it tells us that without a vision, the people perish. And uh, part of the job of leaders is to actually paint that vision and, and start heading there. And, and people will follow. So, Abraham, you know, just leading into the unknown. Uh, Joseph um, demonstrating that leaders bounce back from tough situations. And there's all sorts of implications with that statement because sometimes we think that, you know, to arrive as a leader, then you're just going to be riding this constant wave. Um, but that's just not the case. Um, there's going to be moments where there's no waves at all and you're just going to be sitting in the still water wondering what's going on. But, you know, um, Joseph demonstrated for us that you can bounce back and it's crucial that you bounce back from tough situations and Moses is sticking up for other people, um, so that's what leaders do. You know, they advocate and they fight for, and, and, they, uh, and they stand in the gap. And Joshua's um, example of leaders ruling by example rather than just bossing people around, and sometimes we can make that fatal mistake of thinking that once uh, we become a leader that we are, we are in charge. Um, it's a dangerous, dangerous uh, pitfall that many people make. And uh, David, I love the fact that he was not afraid of giants. And so leaders in their role is really just to to face these giants and understand that if this is where we honestly can sense and feel and know that this is where God is calling us, then there is nothing that is insurmountable. We just, we need to go and take this territory. So how do we do that? Well, Um, Isaiah showing us that leaders rise to the occasion and Daniel showing us that leaders stay determined and focused. And John the Baptist showing us that leaders aren't afraid to call things how they are and um, Peter showing us that re- uh, leaders recover from failure um, Paul showing us and demonstrating that leaders and their passion for what they believe is so crucial and I think the uh, the biggest lesson that we can learn is from Jesus himself and, and that is that leaders are, are servants um, so those are sort of the 12 traits and we work that into a whole lot of different processing that we do and we study the lives of these different leaders through scripture but if we can start to to live out some of these traits um, in our practice of leadership. I think that just bodes well, not only for ourselves, but for those that we are leading.
2: Well, I'm blown away. Uh, You've just delivered so much profound, uh, wonderful insight in just even rattling off those 12 leaders and just describing uh, the things that you learn from their lives. So many of us will say, well, uh, you know, I I know a lot of those stories that you're talking about, all those different leaders... Uh, yeah. But what comes out of the lesson that you learn from their lives actually helps to shape us today. Uh, just uh, to hearken back to, I think it was Joshua, you were talking about the yeah. example. Uh, because you said there's a trap that you can fall into as a leader. This idea of being the person who uh, shouts the directions uh, from a place of authority and uh, sometimes we might refer to that as a command and control style of leadership and that's not necessarily uh, the way that leadership happens in its best light today. Uh, What are your thoughts about how leaders actually communicate to those who are following and in your role as a leadership developer, uh, how you actually would relate to the people who are in your care?
1: Yeah and this is um, I think one of the things that we talked about right at the start of our conversation this morning was um, you know what actually is more important this role of leadership or being that person of influence Um, and I think this is something that I'm continuing to unpack and realise more and more that it's not so much about the office or the title of the leader um, which sometimes can be an assumed authority and you know, I've back to my uh, my days as a school teacher. There was always this old school mentality that if you were at the front of the class and you were the one that had the chalk or the whiteboard marker and, you know, the students would just sit there and they would listen to you and respect you because you were the teacher and they were the student. But you're talking about changing cultures and changing times. That's just not the case anymore. Um, you know, we need to, to make sure that we don't assume any authority, um, but we actually earn the right to speak into people's lives. And that comes down to this influence... Factor. And I think influence is, influence is key. And so when you look at the example of Joshua, or even someone like Nehemiah, the cupbearer, you know, there's just, a, just that story, alone is just phenomenal when you talk about the power of influence. And he may not have been in a position of leadership in that he was a cupbearer for the king. But when you talk about the influence that he had, it's just he was a man of integrity you know that people knew exactly what he stood for and what he represented and what he was passionate about and so when the desire was there to go and return to his people he not only went with the blessing but he went with the resources and he not only directed what needed to be done but he took part in the rebuilding process he was in the trenches with these people demonstrating what was required and what was necessary and he was yeah that was the influence that he was um that he was practicing and it's just it's profound i think we need to move away from this idea that Once I've arrived as a leader, then all of a sudden people will just drop to a single knee and listen to every word I have to say and just nod their heads consistently. That's just not part of our culture anymore. I think uh, in the Office of Leadership, uh, all of a sudden you walk around with a target. People are waiting for you to fall and waiting for you to fail and are wanting to celebrate when it is that you fall and fail. But if you can focus on having that influence and being alongside people, um, the attitude changes. We're taking
2: calls on one eight hundred 316 Let's hear from Winston in Western Australia. Hello, Winston. Welcome along.
1: Yeah, hello there.
2: Winston, what are your thoughts?
1: Oh, look, I, I think it's great what, what he's discussing because um, I think also, too, leadership, uh, you, you know, also means that, you know, you try and persevere despite uh, your lack of... Um, lack like of you know positive receivable or whatever and try and somehow offer a different method in into um improving for when better time should come maybe
2: yeah that's it's persevering yeah. through whatever yeah. circumstance let's get a, a response from amit
1: yeah thanks winston you, you've raised a great point in regards to, to perseverance there and i think leadership really comes to the fore doesn't it when it's a uh, when times are tough because that is when the people are floundering and they're not exactly sure what's going on and they're looking for that direction but to persevere through those tough times and to to maintain that sense of vision and direction and and energy and passion I mean we're not always going to have it all together and we need to show that we also are frail but perseverance yeah man that's key. I can't agree with you more Winston that's a great point.
2: Winston from WA, thanks so much for your input today on 2020. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Wendy in Portland, in Victoria. Hello, Wendy. Welcome along.
0: Hello, Neil. I was just listening to Ahmed listing off the the twelve points. And I jotted
2: down seven, and I got the last three. <laughs> yep. And I just need number eight and
1: nine, please.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you better be quick here, Amit, but uh, yep. quickly. Uh,
1: to get up to. So I think uh, eight and nine, so that uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel showed that leaders stay determined. John the Baptist showed that leaders aren't afraid to call it how it is.
2: Um, leaders not afraid to show it how it is. And who was that?
1: Yeah. Uh, that was John the Baptist.
2: John the Baptist. What was Daniel's again?
1: Daniel, leaders, stay determined.
2: Leaders, stay determined. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy, Wendy, it is just great to hear from you, and thanks so much for calling in saying, I missed out on getting those points. Is there somewhere online that you've got those 12 points written down, uh, Armit?
1: Um, Not at the moment, but I'm more than happy to make that the focus of my next (laughs) post with the Youth youth Vision blog. So if you head across to the Youth Vision website, there's a section there that says love from and. There's a whole lot of different thoughts that I expound there. So I'll make that the focus of my next write-up. That'll be fine.
2: Do you know what? I want to draw attention to your blog because, as you say, your blog is called Love from Armit. And if we were talking about leadership development in the way that – in some of the things that we've been saying that are quite negative, the idea of the command and control, the person who's shouting the orders from afar – When you are actually uh, putting your blog uh, together and you've got it on your website and you're communicating with these young people who are developing as leaders under your care, you're writing them not a command and control style letter, but you're actually writing them a love letter. And you've called it love from Amit. How important is it, do you think, Amit? And I'm asking you, and I've, I've just made this observation, but, but the way that you are actually expressing your leadership development for these young people is, is out of a heart of love, and you're putting it right there, and you're saying this is like a love letter to you about how you're developing.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's um, some of the greatest leaders that I have the privilege of sitting under, uh, the reason they've been so effective in their influence over me is because they've always approached me in an invitational manner. I've always known that even when they've brought a rebuke or judgment or um, they've confronted something, it's always been out of this sincere desire to see me grow and become better. They're not just wanting to tear me down. They're wanting to challenge me so that I can take the next step in realizing all that I can become. And so the idea behind that blog, and it was actually a colleague of mine that phrased it as love for a moment, which, you know... I guess the way that you've interpreted that, I love it now. That's fantastic. I thought it was a bit cheesy before, but now I think it's great. Um, But it's all about inviting people into that journey. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so far from perfect, Neil. It's not funny. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. All I can share is the journey that I've been on. And all I want to do is to be able to encourage those around me to realize their potential and also to identify who it is that they are and can be in and through Christ. That's what my passion and desire is. So if I can share that, and if I can bring that to a reality, uh, then God willing, that's that's what I'll be known for.
0: Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. I feel like there's so
2: much more to say, and we've almost run out of time. Amit Kara, our guest, we're talking about young leaders and, of course, it's evolved into talking about all of us as leaders and the necessity for our leadership development. Uh, Amit, just quickly, there is a number of programs in what you're doing with uh, Youth Vision Western Australia. Uh, you're in WA. There are some links to the East Coast as well. Uh, what's, uh, what's the Catalyst program that you've also got running?
1: Yeah, so that's uh, through Stirling Theological College based over in Mulgrave in Victoria, um, and they're a Bible college that have identified some of the things that we've addressed already today, which is young people wanting to to live out their faith, but not being uh, boxed into, so that means I have to be, go to Bible college and become a full-time youth minister or senior pastor. There's so many ways that we can live out, but we need to focus on what is our purpose and calling in life. And so um, Sterling have developed this course called Catalyst, which is a one-year accredited university program that is focused on using practical experiences and engaging in scripture in a practical way to identify what that calling and purpose could be for students individually. So it's a really exciting program, one that we've been able to integrate into our training here at Youth Vision and uh, it'll be launching in Melbourne next year. It'll continue in Perth and it's wanting to be in each city centre around the country in the next few years. So it's definitely one to keep an eye on and that's catalyst.edu.au.
2: Fabulous. I want to honour you and thank you for your insights today and uh, doing a great job there as leadership developer with Youth Vision Western Australia. Uh, You mentioned the Catalyst program, Stirling Theological College. Uh, For those who want to be in touch with any of those, uh, certainly you'll be able to uh, very easily Google uh, Stirling Theological College or Youth Vision Western Australia. The actual website address is yv wa.com.au and that's where you'll be able to access some of the blog notes uh, love from Armit. Uh Amit Kaira a uh, leadership developer Amit, just great getting your insights today this I feel like there's so much more that we can talk about and perhaps uh, we'll pick up on a different style a different dimension of this topic of uh, developing leaders on another day but thanks so much for taking some time to share your insights with us and our listeners here on 2020
1: Thank you, Neil, and thanks for the opportunity. God
0: bless you and the work of Vision, hey? Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.